Good afternoon and welcome to the return of Chicago Sports HQ Chatter. It's been a while. Uh, It's been roughly six months, maybe even seven months since we have done a podcast for Chicago Sports HQ. But good news is the podcast is coming back. We plan to do weekly podcasts. We plan to get more content out. We plan to have more guests so you don't have to listen to my voice all the time. And just try to make this podcast a winner for Chicago Sports HQ. We have our first guest since the show has returned, set to begin, and that will be Alex Cohen. Uh, For those of you who do not know who Alex Cohen is, Alex Cohen is the voice of the Iowa Cubs, which is the minor league AAA affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. He's been with the organization now for the last four or five years, and He's had plenty of memorable moments to cover in terms of the Iowa Cubs. So I'm going to sit down with him, kind of discuss basically the all things happening in Iowa. Teams that have succeeded from 2019 and just kind of the, where the team is sitting right now. We're going to break down some of the upcoming prospects that are in the system right now and just what the future holds for Iowa as the 2022 season unfolds, heading into potentially a busy trade deadline for the Cubs where A lot of this Iowa roster could contribute to Chicago this year. So without further ado, here is Alex Cullen. Hey, Dustin, can you hear me? Yeah, Alex, how's it going? How's it going? How are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Is this, uh, this still work? Oh, yes, this will still work perfectly. Perfect. Awesome. So I'm going to give you the honor on this one. This podcast has actually stopped for about six, seven months. Okay. Because my co-host actually left uh, Cubs HQ to do some other things. And I've been doing podcasts with a different site for a while. So I want to bring this back. So you are actually the first guest since the podcast has come back. Nice. Awesome. I'm honored. So for those of you who do not know who Alex Cohen is, Alex Cohen is, in my opinion, one of the best in the business when it comes to minor league announcers. He is the voice of the Iowa Cubs AAA affiliate of the Chicago Cubs. So Alex, you want to just kind of give the listeners a little summary about you and how you got to being play-by-play announcer for Iowa and just kind of how long you've been with the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it hasn't been a linear path to say the least. Uh, I've been broadcasting minor league baseball uh, for a little bit over a decade, since 2009, uh, originally from the Philadelphia area, uh, but went to school at Indiana University. So I uh, know the Midwest a little bit and, and then just kind of worked my way up through minor league baseball. I worked for uh, the Huntsville Stars AA affiliate for the Milwaukee Brewers for two years, uh, spent a, a fall slash winter out in Australia, worked for the Australian Baseball League. Uh, as a voice of the Melbourne Aces, then came back and kind of worked my way back up. Uh, I was with the Idaho Falls Chuckers, rookie league affiliate of the Kansas City Royals for a year. Then with the Bowling Green Hot Rods, uh, the single A affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays for two years. And then in 2017, well, the, the fall of 2017, uh, I got the job here in Iowa. My first season was 2018, and I've been here ever since. So I've definitely uh, spanned the country, hit my time zones, hit my states. But it's been a, a nice progression, to say the least. I want to talk to you about that Australia baseball for a minute. Obviously, baseball in Australia is pretty big, but a lot of people in the United States don't realize how big it is just because you don't really get a chance to see it. How big of 
how big is baseball kind of in that Australian culture, Australian nation over there? And just how different is it from the way things are done here in the States? Um, I mean, it's pretty similar, just the Australian Baseball League talent. Uh, you have, it's basically double-A hitting with rookie ball pitching. Um, so you have a lot of high-scoring games, and the dimensions of the fields are a little bit smaller. Uh, like in Adelaide, down the line, it's 285 feet. So there's a lot of home runs hit. But uh, just going out there, you recognize that, yeah, it is pretty big, but yeah, it's a huge sports culture there with with, with footy and with golf and with horse racing, and, and basketball is pretty big out there. So um, from a baseball fan perspective, me going out there and broadcasting games, yeah, I remember my first game, I said, yeah, oh, it's a 6-4-3 double play at NZ inning. And they're just like, what's a six four three double play? And she's like, okay, like I have to break it down to like a common denominator that that all the the fans, whether it's you know your grandma's age or a twelve year old kid, like what they understand. And that helped me a lot as a broadcaster, just recognizing that all the listeners just aren't like rabid fans or start blogs or write about baseball. Like all fans, they 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 have to understand like the basic concepts of baseball, and it's on to the radio broadcaster to be able to communicate that. So I think it really helped me. And also being able to go out there during fall and winter. I mean, when it was 32 degrees in the Midwest, it was 92 degrees out in Australia. So um, it definitely was a nice reprieve from what was going on in the United States at that time. So, yeah, you said your first year with Iowa was in 2018. So you actually kind of arrived at a good time because back in 2019, Iowa ended up winning their division, Mm -hmm. ended up taking one of the best teams in the Pacific Coast League and Round Rock Express to five games in that first playoff series, which I don't think a lot of people expected at the time when you looked at where Iowa was sitting compared to how good Round Rock was sitting at that point. Mm-hmm. Then you had 2020 come into play, no baseball, obviously, which is difficult for you, difficult for the entire organization as a, as itself. And then you go to 2021 where Iowa really struggled compared to what they did in 2019. And I kind of look at it as, as, as a situation where a lot of people knew the Cubs are going to be – selling off a bunch of talent at some point last year. And I think a lot of the struggles had to do with so many of the talented players that would have been in Iowa were sent up to that major league roster and kind of forced to contribute a lot earlier than some people expected. But at the same time, I also think their struggles last year may have contributed also from not having a season in 2020. Kind of what are your thoughts on all that? All of the above. Uh, I, I think the the difference between 2019 and 2021 is just different players. I mean, you have your know, organizational guys that in 2019 were with Iowa that went over uh, and played in it played overseas like Dixon Machado, who's back with the Iowa Cubs this year. Uh, 2019 was one of the best players in the PCL, both defensively, offensively. Uh, 2020 was supposed to play for the Cubs and and obviously was signed to a minor league deal. They didn't have a minor league season. So then he went over and played a career for two years and didn't play with the I Cubs last year. So um, there was a lot of instances like that. And, and then what you said with, you know, the Cubs being in the, the situation that they were in trading away a lot of their players in July, they had to bring up a lot of the triple A talent up to the big leagues and get them at bats. Um, I, I think that's, you know, very, I, I think that, Definitely was a big reason why. I mean, remember the ICUB started off the season nine and five last year um, and yep. then had a nine game losing streak. And, you know, it was a mixture of injuries up at the big league level, the trades, COVID-19. Um, I, I think it was just kind of a perfect storm when it came to our results here. I mean, the, the results are a little inflated. The ICUBs lost 14 out of their last 15 games uh, by an average mm-hmm. of four and a half runs per game because they brought up everybody because um, of expanded rosters and COVID and, and the ICUBs had – 
I think, five or six players in their starting lineup that were never above double A uh, before they were brought up. They were either brought up for Myrtle Beach or South Bend. So it was just kind of a perfect storm, especially at the end of the season where uh, as important as Iowa Cubs baseball is, it's there's more important baseball to be played up at the big league level. The Chicago Cubs are why we do this. And for them to have talent, they got to take it whenever they need it. And uh, I think they did that in September, and rightfully so. So that that kind of impacted us. I know not having fans, or limited fans, I should say, for the first part of the season was difficult. And now this year you have not obviously full crowds, but you still have like more fans attending minor league baseball. So obviously that's good to get those people back. The thing that I liked about Iowa and just how they did the roster this year, you had a mix of the minor league talent that Cubs fans have been accustomed to within their organization the last few years. Some of them have been in AAA the last couple of years. Some of them have been promoted the last couple of years. And then you guys have guys like Dixon Machado coming back. They've brought in guys like Steven Brault and Robert Gazelman, who we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But I really had a lot higher expectations for Iowa this year than I think some fans did, just because you had that mix of veteran talent that has been in the major leagues before and are just kind of looking for that opportunity to get back. You have the mix of the up-and-coming prospects, and then you just have that mix of players that have been in the organization for quite a while. And I think given their 9-8 and eight start that they've gotten off to, we've kind of seen that where, yes, they're going to have games where they struggle, but then, yes, they're also going to have their games and their moments where they actually look like a contending team again. Yeah, they're they're nine and eight. Uh, they're above five hundred. They just split a series in Louisville. Uh, they probably should have been four and two during that series. They lost the game that they were up five to nothing. Ended up losing seven to six, and that happens. Uh, I think what's been most impressive about the Icubs this year is the pitching. Uh, whether it's the back end of the bullpen with Eric Olman and Ben Leeper and Eric Stout, uh, and then the starting rotation. You brought up Robert Gazelman, Adrian Sampson, Matt Swarmer. Uh, those are guys that all have, you know, aside from Leeper, have a sub two ERA. Uh, Kane Eckert's been a pretty talented arm in the back of the bullpen as well so um i've been really impressed with the pitching they have the second lowest era um in all triple a baseball they have the second lowest opponent batting average and the second fewest runs given up second fewest home runs given up so it's one of the better pitching staffs in all of minor league baseball and i think that's carried the eye cubs to this point and then going into the series against louisville ildemar vargas getting red hot he had 12 hits he had four triples and a home run uh pj higgins starting to hit really well now hitting over 300 for the season after an for 12 start and you combine that with the Brendan Davises who will get hot at a certain point I mean it's just yep. not a matter of if it's a matter of when and yeah you know, it's the early season and if you look at Brendan's splits over the course of his career he's been a notoriously slow starter uh, but still Brendan's reached base safely in 10 out of his last 11 he's hit safely in nine out of his last 11 so no you're not seeing the the four for five two home run games that we become accustomed to with Brendan uh, but he's played fine as a 22-year-old, number one overall prospect, and the youngest player on this team by almost two years. He's been fine, and he will be fine. So I think this team definitely has some potential. And you look at the nine and eight star, slightly above 500, and I think they can make some noise um, coming you know June, July when you get into the dog days of summer. And one of the names you mentioned actually was the one that I, one of the guys that I wanted to talk about for a couple minutes here and. I would say he might arguably be the MVP of the pitching staff right now, and that's a guy named Matt Swarmer. Uh, he's not a little bit older in terms of prospects. He's 28, but he's a guy that's kind of bounced between starter and reliever for the last several years. He had a ton of success at AA Tennessee, and then once he got to AAA Iowa, he kind of took his bumps, as a lot of people are expected to do making that jump. But now you look at him this year, he's pitched four games, one as a starter, the other three out of the bullpen. And he's posted a 2-0 and mark with a 1.08 ERA. And with 
Corey Abbott now getting traded to the Giants. I think Matt Swarmer is one of those guys that can not only step up in the rotation this year, but if he continues to pitch the way that he's pitched this first month of the season, he's one of those guys that I think could contribute to the major league squad at the end of the year. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Matt Swarmer since 2019. He started off the season with Iowa in 2019. He led the I-Cubs in strikeouts, but he also gave up the most home runs in franchise history. Uh, then last year, he started off in double-A, came back up here, um, had a couple, yeah, a couple rough outings to start off his his triple-A career in 2021, uh, and then really pitched well at the end of the season. And then this year, he can kind of do everything. He can pitch a long relief, he can pitch in the back end of the bullpen, and he can also start. I mean, I talked to pitcher coach Ron Ballone about him. He said he is a pitching coach's you know, he, he's a pitching coach's dream because he goes out there, he throws strikes, he executes the plan. Um, he's deceptive. He has a high leg kick. I mean, he could throw four you know, pitches for strikes at any count. Um, I mean, he's a guy that he's just so valuable to a triple-A staff with all the movement because, you know, you can throw him in there, you can throw him one inning. But then you also start him, you can throw six innings. So he has so much versatility. He's like the pitching version of a utility player. You call him the pitching Ben Zobris because he can just do a little bit of anything. Uh, and I think that uh, that Matt's really made a name for himself. I mean, he was the Cubs minor league pitcher of the year in 2018. So it's not like he hasn't had any high accolades coming up to this point. But I think Matt's really turned the corner in terms of his own maturity on the mound, off the mound, and somebody who is really becoming comfortable with this stuff. And I think it's showing early this season. And then a guy like Ben Leeper also. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent back in 2020 because they had the shortened draft that year. And all he did with Iowa last year was surprise, I think, everybody in the minors in general last year, going four and three with a 129 ERA in the minors last year, 13 walks, 53 strikeouts. Coming into spring, he was kind of one of my wild cards to possibly make the major league roster out of camp just because he was the definition of a back-of-the-bullpen type of pitcher that you wanted, a guy that throws in the mid to upper 90s, works the corners, doesn't walk a ton of hitters, and just basically takes care of business. He has run into some struggles to open the year. I know he's not happy with his performance through his first five appearances, but I really do like the stuff that Leaper has, and I'm not going to be shocked to see this guy as a major contributor in the back of the bullpen in the near future. No, he has plus stuff. I mean, he's a two-pitch pitcher, so when you are that, especially early on in the season, you really have to be fine with your two pitches, and that's tough. Uh, when you throw a fastball slider, and, and then the slider just isn't as sharp early in the season like it normally is, it's going to be hit. Uh, but Leaper's a bulldog. I mean, when he does give up a hit, he comes back and he'll strike out the side after. He'll get three up, three down after. I mean, he's somebody who's so competitive where if you do hit a home run against him, like credit to you, but then the next three hitters that are up or the next two hitters that are up, I feel bad for him because he comes back with vengeance. And, you know, I, I think Leaper, you, you call him a poor man's Craig Kimbrell. And, I mean, that's a tough analogy because, yeah, poor man's Craig Kimbrell has a tough connotation to it. Craig Kimbrell's also an eight-time All-Star. Uh, but the red hair, red beard, moxie on the mound, intensity. The, the fastball's been 95 to 96 over his last three outings. The slider um, is starting to get better, more sharp. So I wouldn't be surprised to see in you know May, probably June, where you start seeing the numbers from Ben Leeper that he put up in 2021. Um, and not so far here in 2022. I think the sky's the limit for Ben. I agree with you. I think he's a back end of the bullpen arm. You know, somebody who's a seventh, eighth inning guy. Um, and, and then if he gets a little bit stronger and the arm feels good, you know, maybe he's a ninth inning guy. Maybe he's a closer. So I, I definitely think he's a surefire reliever. I've been pretty high on Ben since he since he came here in July last year. I think the sky's the limit for him. And now I want to talk about probably the trade that everybody is the most okay with last year, and that is. The Chris Bryant deal that landed the Cubs, Caleb Killian. And 
Caleb Killian showed up plenty of stuff last year with Tennessee. I don't think anyone realized how good his stuff was until he got to the Arizona Fall League and then did what he did, especially in that championship game where he goes out and throws six no-hit innings and made everybody look pedestrian at best in that game. And now he starts this year on an absolute tear up in AAA, which is what everybody wanted to see. You get to see Caleb Killian on a daily basis. I get to watch him on minor league TV when he pitches it, but I'm not around the organization like you where you can just see him on a daily basis. Just what are your thoughts on what you've seen from Caleb Killian? And do you think he is like the real deal and somebody that is capable of being the Cubs ace, not only in the near future, but for a long time? Hey, the, the Cubs ace part is tough just because like to be a number one, I mean that there's only 30 of them in baseball. Yeah. So to say that he's going to be a top 30 starting pitcher in baseball, I mean, that's, that that's pretty difficult, but from what I've seen in the last, you know, three starts, three weeks, is somebody who, from a prospect standpoint, on the mound, off the mound, in the clubhouse, uh, as part of a pitching staff, you love. He's everything that what you dream of. You know, tall, right-handed arm, throws in the mid nineties, can throw four pitches. Just a good guy. Comes from a good baseball background. Went to Texas Tech. Um, he's going to be a really good pitcher for a long time. Do I do I know if he's going to be an ace? He has that potential. Uh, but but I don't know that. But do I think that he's going to be a rotation arm in the bullpen or sorry in the big leagues for ten years? I do, and to get that as a piece of a Chris Bryant deal for a half a season, I mean that's a fleece. That's a huge deal for the Cubs to be able to get somebody like Killian, who will factor into the rotation if they keep him for a decade, and then getting a prospect like Alexander Canario, who has so much upside. Uh, I, I think that's a really big deal for the Cubs. I think that's their best deal, although uh, the Javi Baez deal for Pete Crow Armstrong might be a close second. Pete Crow Armstrong's a stud. But uh, really impressed with Caleb Killian. Early on in his starts, he's, he struggled with his control a little bit. Uh, but after the first inning, he's been pretty much lights out. And, yeah, I think the sub-2 ERA through his first three starts has been pretty impressive, and I think it will continue to improve. And now we'll kind of get to the hitter side of things. Uh, I'm going to touch on everyone's favorite prospect last, but – one name that I was surprised that did not make the AAA roster was Nelson Velasquez. And I don't know if it's because he had that breakout season last year where he just put up the numbers he put out and people weren't sold on him to see if he could do it again because he did finish the year in AAA last year. I know he, he had a yeah, rough he, he actually did not make his debut, so he's never played in AAA yet. Okay. So, so I know Nelson... he had a rough spring, and a lot of yeah. people thought he was going to end up in AAA, but are you kind of surprised that he didn't make the AAA roster, knowing I'm... the kind of year that he had at AA last year? I'm not. I'm really not. I mean, if you look at the depth chart you know, for the Chicago Cubs having six outfielders to start the season up in the big leagues, and here in Iowa, uh, a lot of talented outfielders that deserve at-bats. It's not just Brendan Davis and Greg Dykeman, but Dottie Dweez is hitting over 300. Zach Davis is a guy who – He's a switch hitter, speed guy who they're really trying to develop as as a possible rotational player up in the big leagues who can pinch run and and come in as a as a defender late in games. So there's guys here already in the outfield that they want to get innings for, um, and it would be tough to have somebody like Nelson Velasquez coming down here and taking at bats away from him. So he had a spot in Double A where he can play every day, and I think that that's smart, especially early on in the season as guys are getting developed, they're getting acclimated to pitching, um, especially after a shortened spring training for 40-man guys. So uh, I, I think that Nelson Velasquez at some point will be up here in AAA, but him being down in AA to start off April, um, I don't think that's a big concern personally. And then you look at the infield, and there's an old saying in baseball that sometimes players just fit better within a specific organization for, like, whatever reason that is. But you guys got got Eldermo Vargas, 
uh, Robel Garcia and Dixon Machado, who for the most part have been journeyman players in their entire baseball career. But as soon as they got into the Cubs organization, they've actually played very well. Vargas, especially, he got up to the major leagues multiple times with the Cubs. Dixon Machado, like you said, was one of the best hitters when he was with Iowa in 2019 and probably makes the major league roster in 2019 had he not gotten hurt at the end of the year. And then you had Robel Garcia just do what he did last time he was in the Cubs organization before coming back this year. And now all of a sudden they're back, and it seems like they're just picking up right where they left off, and they, and they haven't missed the beat at all. Yeah, it's a nice trip down memory lane for me. In 2019, Dixon and Robel were just such a huge part of that. Uh, and Robel yesterday had a real trip down memory lane moment as he had two home runs. One, he had 475 feet, which he said was the third longest home run hit in Louisville Slugger, uh, Louisville Slugger field history. So um it's really nice having robel uh just you know power from both sides of the plate he can play first he can play third play a little bit of outfield uh dixon's just so short-handed left side of the infield at short and third and then ildemar vargas who had actually never played here in triple a iowa he'd always been in 2020 obviously up in the big leagues last year he was in spring training with the cubs then he signed with uh the arizona diamondbacks and that was the organization that he came up with actually but uh vargas as i said he had 12 hits last series uh, four triples in one series, which I've never seen before. Then he hit a booming home run. I mean, he's the guy, if you look at his AAA stats, he's a 300 career hitter in AAA. Um, he's somebody who does have big league experience, provides so much versatility, good top half of the order guy, big time contact, takes pitches, works really long at bats. Like even at bats that he got out at last series, eight, nine pitches, couple foul balls. He was doing his job. So um, I, I think the, the production that you get from that middle of the infield of Machado and Vargas will be huge when talking about the success of the Iowa Cubs here in 2022. And what do you make of Jared Young's start this year? I mean, the guy's not been, the guy's never been known as a power hitter. I mean, he gives you decent power. He had eight home runs and nine home runs or nine home runs last year, but he had 16 home runs in 2018. But all of a sudden, he's got five home runs and 13 RBIs to start the season. Is this kind of a untapped power that he's always had that he's finally discovering? Is it just more of, more experience at the AAA level, and now he's just kind of realizing the type of player he is. I actually talked to Jared about that last week after he hit two home runs in the first game at Louisville. I said, you know, is that something that you've just been trying to build off on during the offseason? He's like, it's actually the opposite. So after the 2018 season where he said that he hit 16 home runs, he said, you know, I tried to get big, try to hit for power, focus on launch angle. And he just saw so many swings and misses and saw the reverse effect. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go back to what got me here. And uh, I'm just going to try to make contact, have a good approach, and uh, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I have a good left-handed swing, good lift, and strong enough so where if I do get a hold of a baseball, it's going to go far regardless. And I think that's what he's done. Um, I think at the AAA level, him spending the second half of the year here last year really helped him uh, coming back up here, knowing what to expect. And, you know, Jared's really versatile, too. You can hit him anywhere in the order. You can play him at first. You can play him at third. You can play him in the outfield. Really good kid. Um, I think he's somebody that's going to make the big leagues at some point over the next two years, whether it's with the Cubs or whether it's with somebody else. I mean, he definitely provides value to any major league baseball organization, Cubs or not. And then another player that I've always been high on has seemed to kind of be in like a little two or three year funk here. And that's Trent Giambrone, who I always thought of as kind of a Ben Zobers player myself, just because he's played second base, he's played third base, he's played outfield. He kind of gives you, a lot of what a utility player does. And then all of a sudden he came out of nowhere in 2019 to hit the 23 home runs and just put up, I think, better numbers than anybody expected. 
And now you kind of look at last year, he had a 174 with three homers and 16 RBIs. Granted, he only played 72 games and missed plenty of time. This year, he's kind of off to a slow start as well. What have you kind of seen from Giambro in the last two years as opposed to kind of when he was breaking out back in 2019 when he kind of put himself on the map with Cubs fans? Well, remember, Trent made his big league debut last year, so I think that he finally reached the the top of the mountain. And for somebody who was a you know a 20th, you know, 25th round draft pick, you've already found your value there as somebody who's been in the organization for over five years, and he's reached the big league level, and he succeeded at the AAA level as an organizational guy. So I think that what you're getting right now from Trent is is just bonus. I mean, he's a really good guy. He, he, play, he could play left field. He could play third. He could play short. He could play second. He could still steal bases. He can still hit for power. But, you know, there's just guys in the organization who you're going to get playing time more to than, than him. I mean, he's still somebody who, if he's here all season, is going to play 100, 110 games in a variety of different capacities. But um, I, I think that he's a really good depth piece to have. Is he a guy that's going to hit 300 with 20 home runs, 20 doubles, and steal 20 bases every year? I don't know. Uh, but I saw in 2018 – um, he hit 17 home runs and sold 21 bases. I know he had 23 home runs here in 2019, so he definitely has that potential. But he's just a really good depth piece, a good clubhouse guy to have. And um, I, I think with Trent that he had a really nice series in Buffalo. Yeah, he played well here decently the first series against Toledo. Then he had a rough series against Louisville. So it's a small sample size, and, and one tough series can really – inflate or deflate numbers and i think that's just what the louisville series did so yeah we can have this conversation in a month and i think that that trend stats will be a little bit better than, than what they are right now another guy that i'm very happy to see back is donnie deweese i know he had a, i believe he had a torn acl last year if i'm correct right you're correct yep yep and it seemed like when he was in the lineup in 2019 granted his stats aren't going to show it but it seems like when he was in the lineup in 2019 he was their Iowa version of Dexter Fowler, where it was the you go, we go, where if you get on base, it kind of trickles down through the offense. And now you look at this year, he's hitting a 316. And he's, it seems like he's getting back to basically if he's doing things well, the offense is kind of doing things well. And he just seems like he's the catalyst that kind of makes the team go. One million percent. I mean, Donnie's just a hitter. He's just a baseball player. I mean, he's somebody that when he's on the field and when he's starting and you know he's getting three to four at-bats per game, they're going to be quality at-bats. He's going to get on base. He's going to take an extra base. He's going to steal a base. He has good speed from the left side. He's got some power where if you groove an 85-mile-per-hour fastball, 87-mile-per-hour fastball in there, he's going to hit it 400 feet. So I, I think that Donnie's just his presence in the lineup just really helps. He can hit second. He can hit seventh. He does a little bit of everything. I mean, you ask manager Marty PV about Donnie. He loves Donnie. He loves having him in the lineup because you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a quality at bat. He's going to get on base. He can hit to all fields. It's a former second-round draft pick who set you know, multiple records when he was in college. I mean, Donnie is a hitter. He will be a hitter as long as he plays professional baseball. So uh, just you, you got to get that bat into the lineup. And, and he's not somebody who's going to hit 25 home runs, but he's going to spray the ball all over the field. He's going to you know, get on base at a 350 clip. He's going to hit 275. He, he could give you 10 home runs. So – I think Donnie at this level is such a luxury to have, and and you're you're 100 correct. As the as Donnie goes, the Icubs go offensively. You know, Donnie has a grand slam; they normally win. Donnie has two hits; they normally are competitive. So, um, I, I think he's a nice, uh, nice insurance policy to have here for the Icubs. And the last player I'm obviously going to touch on here is Brennan Davis, and rightfully so. He's the Cubs' top prospect. He's a top 15 prospect. He's pretty much the face of the franchise in, ter in terms of prospects at this point. 
got up to AAA last year, and I don't think anyone expected him to do what he did. I mean, although, yes, a small sample size, 15 games, but still hit a 268, still hit four home runs over those 15 games and was pretty much doing exactly what he did in AA and having his way with AAA pitchers. This year he's gotten off to a slow start, but slow starts and nothing new for him. He always seems to get off to a slow start to kind of figure some things out. But Davis is one of those guys, and you don't see him too much anymore just because we know baseball's now strikeout or home run. There's no more of that small ball approach anymore like it was 15 years ago. But Davis is one of those guys that I think has 30-30 potential if he wanted to use it. I don't expect to see that just because that's not how baseball's played anymore. But Davis is one of those guys that I think has 30-30 potential. I think he is going to be the face of the franchise for years to come. And I do still think he gets a shot at the Major League roster this year, even as a September call-up. But I think next year is going to be when it's his time to kind of showcase what he can do. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Brennan since he's been here. Uh, You said his AAA start last year. All he did in his first two at-bats is hit home runs against Omaha. So um, he definitely set the bar high. It wasn't a a soft landing. It was just like, hey, I'm here. Uh, You have to watch me now. And he did. I mean, that's what his play dictated. But, yeah, I I think Brennan being here, um, he's somebody who who has started off slowly his entire career. I don't think the weather has done him any favors. It's been really cold here. but, but Brennan, he had a, what, an over 10 start with seven strikeouts to begin the year. Since then, he's hitting at a 275 clip, and he's getting on base at a 365 clip, and his OPS is at 800. So it is what you would expect. Would you like to see a couple more home runs? Yeah, of course, but I think you'll get that come come May and June. But I, I think Brennan's had a fine start to the season. Somebody, as I said, he's 22 years old. He's by far the youngest player on this team. He's one of the youngest players in the international league. So it's going to take him a little while, but I think come May, come June, he'll heat up. And I think that you're spot on about his trajectory because the Cubs do have five outfielders up in the big leagues. And Clint Frazier just got an appendectomy, so he's going to miss some time. I I think that keeping Brendan here and getting him three or four at-bats every single game or every other game, because you do need time off, obviously, especially early on in the season, uh, but but every single game or or five out of every six games of a series, making sure that he gets those at-bats and he starts to go through his process as a hitter, I think he's just fine. I think that you could see a September call up. Um, It really just depends on what the Cubs do with the trade deadline, if they're in contention. Uh, But next year when he's just, you know, an old 23 years old. Uh, But yeah, I I think that Brennan's future is really bright. I think he's a middle of the order hitter for the next decade. Um, And I think he's somebody who could be one of not only the faces of the Cubs, but one of the faces of baseball. His, His hitting tool is that good. And the last question I have for you before I let you go is, Obviously, your primary focus is Iowa because that's who you call games for, but you still know a lot about the Cubs organization itself. You still know a lot about prospects coming and going through the system. Are there any prospects that are, whether it's in double A, whether it's in low A or even single A South Bend, that you see maybe trajecting towards triple A Iowa this year as rosters expand, as call-ups and things happen? Are there any players that you think that are in the lower level minor leagues right now that you can see making their way up to AAA to help Iowa towards the end of the year? Sure, there's there's a couple in AA that really stick out to me. Uh, you brought it up, Nelson Velasquez, that uh, he was in AA last year. He had a really good Arizona Fall League. He's had a nice start to the season this year. And while it's nice to get him down there and, and get him every day at bat, he's going to need a new test at some point of the season. So I think Nelson Velasquez will be up with the Iowa Cubs at some point. Uh, I think Nelson Maldonado will as well. Uh, Nelson was one of the top hitters in AA last year. He started off this season hitting over 400 with the Tennessee Smokies. 
He plays first base. Uh, he's somebody who I, I think will be up with Iowa sooner rather than later. And then Christopher Morrell, uh, somebody who's a top 30 prospect, ended up the season at Iowa last year. Um, I, I think that they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Morrell because he came up as a shortstop. You're also playing him at third base. I think personally he projects best as an outfielder because his speed and arm tool are so superior. I mean, Christopher Morrell legitimately has three all-star caliber tools uh, with the speed, with the arm strength, and then with his power as, as anywhere between a center fielder and a middle infielder. Um, I, I think he's got some severe untapped potential and somebody who could really factor into the big league lineup. Um, and his energy and his skill level and what he can bring to the table, it's infectious. So if he can put it all together, I think Christopher Morrell could one, come up here, but also uh, make his presence felt in the big leagues soon. So those are the three guys that really stick out to me. Awesome. That's all I have for you today, Alex. Thanks for taking the time to join me, and hopefully we can do this again some point during the year once we get towards the middle of the season and we kind of see what the big league club is doing in terms of trades and things like that. Yeah, no, you know my number, you know where to find me, and uh, I appreciate being the first episode back. Uh, hopefully have me back again. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you.